0: Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to um, do a couple of announcements up front here, and um, let you know that you can go follow the podcast over on Instagram, um, which is once again Lunchbox, Lunchbox Radio underscore Podcast, um, all lowercase on that one, and um. In a new twist of fate, if you are, if you are, let's say, dissatisfied with your time with the blue bird, and you have maybe moved over to a certain little newer version of the blue bird that involves something with tusks, aka Mastodon, I'm talking about Twitter when I talk about the blue bird, by the way, um, I, I am over on Mastodon, I... Look, I didn't have a lot of choices in what in what um part of Mass I um on what server I joined. The 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 big normal ones were very fucked up and wouldn't let you join because so many people were joining because, you know, Twitter's on fire right now. So I ended up joining a one with a with a actually romanese name that's very hard to pronounce so i will include links to both the instagram page for the podcast and the and my new mastodon account in the description of this podcast because i don't want to attempt to give you a mastodon um link because they are notoriously hard to search up um especially now but if you are a Mastodon, and you're listening to this, um, definitely come follow me. I don't have a whole lot of followers there yet. You can always follow me on Twitter, which is at Alex Holt-Cohan. I might as well throw that one in there too. Um, but follow me on the stuff, basically, is what I'm saying. And also, if you if you want a good companion podcast to this pod to what we're talking about today, I would actually suggest from from, from my podcast. I'd actually suggest you go to the and listen to the Remake Our Life episode that I did fairly recently because it deals with uh, kind of what we're going to talk about in a different way and at a different from a different angle. Um, so the thing we're going to talk about today is a little show from earlier this year um, called Licorice Recoil.
1: Ne
0: Now the way that *Licorice Recoil* was described to me by um, Jeff on their mother's basement channel—not specifically me, but to everybody who decided to watch—that was, "What if we made *John Wick*, but everybody was little, was was Japanese, with anime high school girls?" And that's really a good description of this show. That's a, that's a description of the show to get you into this show, but. I really like this show for two re- for a bunch of reasons that it presents in the larger narrative of itself. So let's map out what's going on in Liquid Recoil. In Licorice Recoil, we have a scenario in which Japan is like deeply safe, safer than it's ever been, safer than it is now. It is pretty much devoid of crime. But the reason it's devoid of crime is you have you have two different sets of peacekeeping forces. You have the Licorice and you have the Lily Bell. And the Lily Bell you only see as kind of kind of once in this show. And the Lily Bell are young men who have been removed from the family from the family registry, and have been trained to be basically shadow government assassins in the form of, like, teenage kids with guns who keep the peace by killing all the people who would disrupt the peace. You don't see them until the very end of of Licorice Recoil. What you do see is you do see the Licorice, which is who are the female half of that equation. They are high school age they are high school age or younger. I don't know how I don't remember how young they go, but they are high school age or middle school age, young women who have had their identity identity stripped from them and they are they and they seem to be paid. <laughs> um, but they are essentially peacekeepers and and deeply and like deeply violent peacekeepers so in this um in this show you follow two of them really closely you, you follow um takina and you follow chisato and the show opens up with takina disobeying direct orders from her superior uh character Named, I believe, is she listed in the character listing? Named Fuki, who's her superior officer. And you can tell her that Fuki is a superior officer here because she wears a different uniform. She wears a uniform of what they call a, 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 a first licorice. And that means that she is like a senior officer, basically. And she's in command of an operation with her seizing, where they're trying to stop a bunch of guns from coming into the country. Like, the guns have arrived, but somebody's supposed to pick them up. And Fuki is just bad at her fucking job, y'all. Like, and if you go watch, um, what's-his-face, um, Jeff's mother Basement video about the show, he starts off with being like, it doesn't help that Fuki is just bad at what she does. But to, But the thing about talking is, talking about is exception is an exceptionally good marksman. It's like it's like a vasta stampede level marksman with any kind of gun. So she, with full confidence, does things that most other people would, for most other people to attempt, would be dangerous as fuck. And. By doing that, she gets demoted because she, she takes, she takes what she knows is not a risk, but for anyone else to do it would be a risk. And she goes, she, she's insubordinate and she gets kind of shift off to the Isle of Misfit Toys, which is this little, which is this small, which is this much smaller independent, um, licorice agency that only has one licorice to its it on on its staff and it, it's so small that it is technically more of an actual acting cafe than, uh, than just a cover business on many levels and Takeda is really pissed but the person she runs into is Chisato and Chisato is Chisako and Takina are the main characters of our story here. Chisako is... a genius. And... the show... what the show does... in the... um, mold of... the mold... what the show does is it defines geniuses and it says... This person is a genius it, it has a thing that it does with people that uh, an institute called the Allen Institute believed to be geniuses believed to be prodigies believed to be um, believed to be true assets to hum- humanity so the best way I can kind of explain this is using something that is very close to me, actually. So, there is a fair chance that if you are studying successes in the world of brain cancer that you will run into research that has involved me. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I'm a a brain cancer survivor. I'm a very high-functioning brain cancer survivor. A lot of things went right and a lot of decisions were made very specifically to... Make me who I am today, right now. And if you're researching brain cancer and successful treatments of brain cancer, I am just going to come up. It's just the thing that will happen. I know it to be true. And But also, if you're researching, you know, childhood cancer survivors on the East Coast of of America, I will probably show up in that list, too, since of a test group of 100, I was the only one left alive by the age of 15. (laughs) And while that's really depressing, it, it defines me as... It defines not necessarily me, but my existence as having value for humanity dealing with the, like... Problem of childhood cancer and childhood brain cancer especially going forward. I'm sure my body is of some importance to science. When I was in art school, um, we went to the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia, which is a museum devoted to human beings who are deformed in some way or who have extreme medical significance. <laughs> to humanity, they had, like, the, like, they had, like, the, they had, like, conjoined twins who lived until they were 28 and shit in there. And my 3D teacher, the person who, like, was in charge of that chip, in class, and this stand was many things, but appropriate was not one of them, he, in class, he straight up, like, wheels around, he goes, so we're going to the Mudder Museum, Next, next week, Alex, you're going to want to pick out your case and then my glass case that my body would be propped in after I die. <laughs> but there's a, there's a funny thing that the Allen Institute is in this show is attempting to do. In that once it recognizes someone as an Allen Institute, as a child of the Allen Institute... It gives them a little owl pin, which Alan Owl. It's a, it's a fun joke. It's like a fun, cute little thing they can do. But that pin marks you as being somebody who is worth the institute's time and effort to. Um, what's the best word to help succeed? To not really to to nur to nurture. Financially, um, financially, equipment-wise, any kind of training you might want to pursue—it's on the Allen Institute's dime. It's essentially a scholarship for the rest of your life. But what it doesn't really say to many of its to many of its people is that it recognizes people with talents that will. That it believes will help humanity in the long run, and uh, by the end of the show, you see an Al- you see a, a quote unquote normal Allen Institute like person who is a sports prodigy, who who's like a sports prodigy in tennis, and like he's so he clearly been helped. He's wearing the little owl pin, you know. He's achieving the best in the, the best in his life. And the Allen Institute is supporting him because they believe at some point he will help, you know, he will help humanity. Him succeeding will help humanity ultimately. But what this show really tends to, does really well is it, it poses, it poses a possibility, A, it poses a possibility. And B, it poses a question. And the possibility is that there will be people who have talents that are ungodly, but they won't... But there's no clear way they can help. But there's no super clear way that they will help humanity. And there are people who have talents who can help humanity, but they act in their own interest. So um they're the character who you... Discover later is a young girl named Kurumi who um, is a hacker and she's a deeply talented hacker and she breaks into and she's hired by um, Mr. Mashima, the ultimate villain of this show um, spoilers for this whole show by the way, 13 episodes it's all out subbed, it's almost all out dubbed, it'll be all out dubbed probably by next week Um, so you can, you can go watch it right now if you really want, but Mr. Mashima is, and I forget his first name, but Mr. Mashima is the, is an Allen Institute representative, which means that he is the, like the point person for certain people, for the Allen for certain Allen Institute recipients for the Institute itself. And you meet these... And you also meet a character named Majima. And Majima has a really clear... They do a really good job of this. He has, like, hypersensitive hearing. But not, like, hypersensitive hearing where he has to wear earmuffs. Or even if he did have to at one point, he's adapted himself to it. He can hear, like... He can hear your, the, the gears turning in your watch... From a mile away. He can hear like static going through the telephone lines. Like he can, he can like hear the world in a way that you can't imagine. He's also an intensely fucked up nightmare of a person. But because he has a once in a generation talent that could advance humanity as a whole, the Allen Institute has backed him, chose to back him. And actually chose to back him and give him a job, which you find out later, is essentially driving Shisato, another Allen Institute um, recipient, another Al- another child of the Allen Institute, to complete her goal to turn into her full version of herself. So, like I said before, um, Takina is the main normal licorice that you kind of encounter all the time, but you also encounter... Fuki and Sakura and um, even Erica who are other like licorice members who are normal licorice. They are girls with guns who defend the country from people who would want to do it harm. And for this they're removed from the family med- registry they're cared for by like a shadowy, by the shadowy organization that I forget what it's called. Um, but it, that like houses and trains and upkeeps and pays licorice until they're 18 and then they're like let loose into the into the darkness of the world i guess but she is unique in that she is considered to be a, a genius but she's considered to be a genius of killing she's considered to be deeply talented at ending people's lives And the way that expresses itself most clearly is she is like, with the exception of one very important moment, she does not, like, you can try and shoot her, you can try and shoot her point blank, and you will not hit her. And there is, and the reason for this is that she is reading her opponent's muscle movement at such a minute level that she knows when you're about to pull the trigger and she knows the trajectory and path and like drop of a and like weight drop over over space of a bullet so she knows exactly like exactly how little movement she needs to make to make sure the bullet whiffs through her hair and not through her neck and this makes her infuriating to, to like, fight against because she will just, like, walk through a hail of bullets almost like she's dancing through it and then just take you out. But she doesn't kill people. And this is a key thing. She has kind of... She has deeply handicapped herself in the fact that she does not use live, live ammo. She essentially uses super fancy... Paintballs. Paintball... Like, paintball bullets. And because of those paintball bullets, have such... Because using those... That kind of ammunition has such bad accuracy, she needs to get so close to people that she's, like, point-blank, headshot, like, double-tapping people in the head. But... Because she's not using... She's essentially using rubber bullets. She's not technically killing people she's just hitting them really hard with a piece of rubber basically and that in combination with her like superhuman ability to read opponent's muscle movements and translate that into moving her body to dodge means that She's a monster. She is, she is the Baba Yaga. She is the John Wick in this show. For as much as Takina is terrifying and an expert marksman, like people can deal with Takina, like like people can understand what's happening with Takina. Like she's just a really good shot. Shisato, it's like you're fighting a ghost. It's terrifying, and they make it very clear that it's terrifying. Like. And you kind of understand at a point that when you're fighting Chisato, the reason you get up is not because you're ashamed or because the bullet, like, her, like, paintball thing, her paintball bullet round hit you that hard. It's because you don't want to go through that again. Like, you're not going to win no matter what you do. So you might as well stay down. (laughs) Once that thing hits you, you're like, oh... I just met this girl because I'm a fucked up bad guy. She, for whatever reason, she's not using real bullets. I do not want to give somebody the chance to give her a real gun. And, but like I said, she's an Allen Institute recipient and the Allen Institute is supporting her. Specifically, um, Mr. Mashima, who she doesn't know is the person who's her handler, is supporting her. But what the Allen Institute does is a double-sided coin. Because as soon as they identify you, they put themselves in your life, and they give you all the tools to nurture your talent on the condition that you use it. So what this show is essentially saying is... so, So what the Allen Institute is essentially saying is, if you have a great talent... That will, ha- that will forward humanity and contribute to humankind, you have to use it. Whatever that talent is. In um, Majima's case, that's his insane ability to hear deeply and meaningfully every, like everything in the world. In Chitata's ta- case, it's her ability to kill. And with, like, your 13-year-old best-worst-behavior best, best worst behavior, hot topic edge lord brain, you know what this looks like. It looks like Chisato grows up and she lives a fabulously wealthy life where she gets a call every once in a while and she has to travel halfway around the world to just end somebody because this person has been decided by the powers that be Whoever they may be, to be a threat to humanity. And then a very cool version of that show, in which you meet, in which you there's to the way this show could end, where you get a second season that's many years removed, and Shishado and Takina are still at it, except now they're hit women, and it's like they're in their mid twenties or late 20s to early 30s and they just globe hop and end lives. But this show really wants to have the conversation of if you have an incredible talent is it on you to use it? Is it on you to and is it on you to use it for the benefit of others? Like what what responsibility do the people around you take for relying on that talent for relying on that ability in in the in the world of in the world people have those kinds of talents people who have those kinds of skills are paid for their work and that and that is because if you're if If you need someone to do something, we need a way that says, I need you to do this, and I'm willing to give you value for doing this. And that's the whole concept and construct of money. And they're saying, I value you this much. If someone values you you more, they will offer you more, and you move to that job. And that is understood to be a thing. And if somebody can't match that salary, you are free to leave and go to the higher salary position. And now that's never one for one. There's always different responsibilities and blah, 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 blah. But there are tons of people who have great talent in things who just choose not to use them because that's not what they want for themselves, that's not what they want to do, or they don't want them, or they don't want that talent monetized, or they don't want to professionalize that part of their lives, it's too, it's, it's almost too important to bring it down to a place where it's a professionalized thing, because then that dirties it, and that puts all kinds of constraints on it, and in, ma- in Majima, you see somebody with great talent who uses it on the edges of what he's doing. He uses it as essentially a combat skill. But he- he's not doing what you'd think somebody with deeply incredible auditory perception would do. He's just not. He's a fucking terrorist. And that's because that's not what he wants to do. That's the... That's just the talent he was born with, and I think that lots of people, lots of people, don't really understand about having skill and talent and ability. Is you don't necessarily always. That's not always a gift. It it seems like a gift from the outside, but it's not always. It's not always something somebody wants. People don't necessarily want to be. Deeply gifted at certain things, so I'll give you a really good example. Let's say you grow up with parents who are deeply, incredibly creative people. You grew up, and I grew up with a parent who was in a single parent household with a parent who is deeply, incredibly, stunningly creative. Uh, Worked, had worked in the fashion industry, worked in the jewelry, worked in the fashion industry, worked in, now works in the, in the lifestyle industry still, what if I had wanted to pursue sports? What if I had wanted to pursue something non-creative? I wanted to pursue, you know, a creative career. And I did and still do. I've shifted my career in the creative, like, career space to be something other than what I was doing. But even then, I was a decently successful, very skilled, decently, very talented, not decently, very talented. I'll give myself that prop creative fixer for for a decade in and around New York City and what I mean by creative fixer is I was a freelancer who you paid a not insignificant amount of money over a not insignificant amount of time and you knew shit shit would just get done and by the time I was at the end of that section of my career Most of what I had to do, most of what people would ask me to do was not a matter of talent. It was not a matter of thought. It was a matter of, oh, you want this. Done. And I say that with full confidence, knowing I was that good at it. Only the thing my life had become, the the issues that were cropping up that were not things that I could control were not things i liked they were not they were not things i wanted for my life so i abandoned it now if i was an allen institute member would it have gone the same way probably not but there would still be things that i just didn't like like what what if it was determined that making a poster for this political candidate who i didn't agree with would Further humanity. I would then be obligated to do it even if in the long term it would be a problem, but in the short term it would get us to the next step. And I wanted to look for a different way to get to the long thing, not just the short thing. Because at the end of the day, in this scenario, the Allen Institute is people. It is people making judgments for what they think human... People... with an uneasy amount of wealth, making judgments on what they think humanity needs. And that's how you get uh, an institute that finds and nurtures talent that says, okay, we're going to make a genius of killing. We're going to, like, nurture a genius of killing because we might need some people got in the future. Like, that's a fucked up way to think. That's like... On your road to the to psychopath, and so to the show psychopath, but the the story kind of set the story kind of gets at something really incredible in in its pursuit of this idea, in that it says the people who have these great talents, the people who have these skills. They have aspirations, dreams, and ideals of their own. And if that doesn't ma- match up with what you're doing, with, 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 what, with what you're asking them to do with that talent, then you should... Then you should be... They should be allowed to do that. So, the, so another great example is actually in the form of Iron Man, the, specifically the first movie. Tony Stark, I mean, everybody, most people on Earth have probably seen Iron Man at this point, but let's just go through it for the sake of saying. Tony Stark is an incredibly, and this is true of most of Silicon Valley, actually. Tony Stark is an incredibly talented engineer and mechanical designer and at his heart and at his heart the nickname that Tony Stark is given in a lot of Marvel media is the mechanic because at his heart he is a mechanic he likes like he likes fixing old machines he likes making new machines and that talent translated itself into deeply destructive but deeply efficient weapon design And oftentimes that is true in real life in Silicon Valley. Many of the Silicon Valley, many of the tech startups and tech giant tech giants and companies that everybody's familiar with contribute technology to the military. Because it's seen as being. It's seen by the military as being things that will keep us safe. But also things that are inherently made to kill another person. And what you see so what you see everyone every so often at these companies is you see people with deep talent and skill and ability just say this money, this amount of money, no matter what amount of money you would, you would pay me, is not worth it if I know that my skill, my work, My labor will be contributing to the death of another human being. I don't care if that human being is trying to bomb us. I want to kill people. And that's kind of what Shisato has done in her head. She's like, I don't want to kill people. I don't want to be the reason that that people stop breathing, that people stop... The people stop roaming this big earth. I will stop them from doing the bad thing, but I will not take their lives. And that's why she's shipped off to her own little island of misfit toys with um, Mika, with, with Mika, her 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 superior officer, the person who gives her um, this big, this big black guy who is notably gay, um, like canonically gay in the show. And the the show and and, and, um, and Mizuki, who is like her other handler, and who clearly like left the like licorice compound facility because she was like, oh, this girl. I think this girl's right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stick around here because I think this girl's right, and I think this is really fucked up. I've always thought this is really fucked up, but I'm gonna gonna stick with her. 'Cause she seems to get it, be more right than any of you fucking morons. And you see Chisato butt up against Fuyuki and other liquor and other liquorists and even Takina at first because she Chisato is seen as defective. Because she's not doing the thing that licorice exit are essentially plucked out of the world, plucked out of reality to do, which is Kill the bad guys. Chisato just knocks them out so they can be arrested. Chisato is essentially doing a Batman deal in a Punisher world. And as time goes on, everybody people like Fuki deeply dislike Chisato, but they can't, they, like, they can't, their, their mouths write checks, their asses can't catch because Chisato is that good and the show like I keep saying makes the point of like all of these other characters and eventually Takina it kind of realizes like just because these people train me and just because these people say I have to do this does not mean I have to I always have a choice and so The thing you see in Fuki and the thing you see in the other licorice in the show outside of Takeda and Chisato is that they are blindly following orders. They are doing what they are ordered to do. Even if it means they're going to die. They are not, they are so allowing themselves to not be in this process. They are tools instead of they are tools instead of mechanics if that makes any sense and shisato and takina are using the tools they have in different ways instead of simply being the tool themselves and it's just it's a when you go and you look at something like this after looking at something like we Re- remake our lives in which the main character of that show Ultimately, makes a big mistake of thinking that he can better these people. He can he can improve upon their he can improve upon their ability to use their talent by professionalizing their talent, and that causes that causes ultimately at the towards the end of that show one of their one of the characters to just you know pick up his toys and go home, essentially. Like, just quit altogether because he sees himself as being a failure because his his unique talent is not deemed as useful in the way that he thinks it should be. This show is saying, if you have a unique talent, you should not feel pressured to use it on behalf of anyone except for yourself. That's why... That's why the, that's why the, that's why in a vacuum, the like system of employment that the world has adopted is the like free market employment system that the world has kind of adopted is important because it's saying you can do whatever you want. If you have some great talent that you want to use for the world, great. If you have some great talent as useful for the world, but you don't want to do that, you want to go and be a, like a stockbroker, or you want to go and be a... Or you want to like stock shelves for your entire life, that's fine too. And one of the only... One of the company One of the industries... It does a really good job of recognizing excellence and talent in in the world, and then reincorporating it into something it was not meant for. And this has fucked us up as a, as a society, as humanity, more than a couple times. Is finance. So there's a great there's a great movie you can go find. Sorry, unfortunately, um, the guy who played Dan from Gossip Girl, and also the guy, who, and also Kevin Spacey, along with Paul Bettany's in it, um, and Stanley Tucci, is It's a great Stanley Tucci role, if nothing else. But even even Ke- even Kevin Spacey is pretty good in this thing, and like it's got Jeremy Irons in it. It's called Margin Call, and this is, See in Margin Call where one of the side characters, um, Paul Bettany's asking one of the side characters what he what he went to school for, what he used to do, and the guy said, rocket science. And Paul Bettany... <laughs> and, like, every other character is like, shit. I mean, I knew we recruited fucking anything that had to do with any kind of math or mathematics But why did you go with rocket science, dude? And he straight up says, you know, this pays better. This paid better. This was a better paycheck. And that... That that can be a corrosive thing. It can be a fucked up thing. It can cause people to go into fields that they will not do the best, they will not contribute the most in. Simply because the baseline pay is better, but at the same point, you know, if you're not going to pay, if you're not going to offer some somebody something worthwhile for for their skill, talent, and ability, then it should not be on them to engage in some feudal system of you know paying your way, earning earning your keep. You know, all of that is bullshit. You know, if if you are capable of being of being an of being an art director, and someone says, "Well, you'll be an art director in five to ten years," you just need to pay your dues. I paid my dues, then. You, like, that shouldn't be a thing you should just accept. You should say, like, if I'm good enough... There should not be, a t- like, a, a ticking clock down to when I get to do this. I should start shopping around. And it may be that nobody will give you a better opportunity. It may be that you find that the entire thing is rotten from top to bottom and you just need to leave it all together. But you could also shop around because... The people asking for your talent, and this is, uh, this is at the core of the show, really, need to offer something in return. And they also need to understand that you are, at no, you are in no way obligated to do anything for them, regardless of money, regardless of status, regardless of whatever you may give them. And sometimes people's talents are can get dark. So, for example, in Iron Man, Tony's decided that no amount of money can, can be offered to him in the world to make new weapons to kill. Other human beings. And he's like drag kicking and screaming. Through that experience. He's like has to become a prisoner of fucking war. To do it. To To get him there. But he learns that. And he shapes. And he like changes his life. And he like you know shapes up. And it changes him at his core. Most people. But most people would argue like. If so, and also most people would argue that if you are a person of great talent and you're working on something that will that is deeply dangerous and deeply fucked, say like you're working at Facebook, it's also on you. It's the responsibility also on you to recognize what's happening with the what's happening as a result of your talent being used by somebody. And if you ask the question and you say, I'm fine with this, stay there by all means. But if you ask the question, you say, I have some misgivings, you should approach somebody. And if those aren't met, you should start to think about doing something fucking else with your time. And this show is like a, this show by creating a pretty complex what if. Gets at that in a really meaningful way. And through. Partially the character of Majima. But mostly through the character of Chisato. When Chisato realizes that her talent is killing people. She kind of decides never to use it. Or she decides to use the first 75 to 80 percent. Or 90 percent. And that, but never touched that last 10%. And if you are imagining how this could be possible, you, can, you really don't have to look that far. Chisano could be an incredible, world-renowned self-defense teacher who, who people around the world, who, who militaries around the world could hire. To train to train their special forces, like this is how you don't get hit by a bullet, you fucking dumbass. And she would essentially be saying, "Be saying, I will not teach like this. This, these seminars will not teach you how to kill someone. They will teach you how to not get shot. And that is a natural good thing. That means that more people around the world are." come home from conflict safely that that forward that moves humanity forward in a meaningful way without Shisato needing to use the last ten percent of that skill that she'd been proclaimed a genius at, which is ending human life killing some like and that's the but the problem and the thing that the show really deeply, incredibly nails is that when other people are making decisions about what's valued, they miss the trees for the forest. They say, oh, you would be incredibly effective at ending people's lives. But what they don't see, is they don't see that in that effectiveness of ending people's lives, is an effectiveness of keeping herself alive. <laughs> what people don't see to so many to so many, especially creative people, is they don't see the totality of what's possible in this person's brain. For example, I. And this is an example that I have. I have minted an NFT. I have. taught myself over years how to do character, how to do deeply effective and good looking character character design illustration. I have taught myself how to do several different styles of several different, several different types, two different types of 3D printing. I'm standing at my 3D printing workstation, at my liquid 3D printing workstation right now. What that means, what that could translate to, if I added one more piece to it, which is the act of, of translating those 2D, mo- of those 2D um, illustrations into 3D models, is I could very easily produce, and, I, and I've talked about this before on the Sunday edition, I could produce an anime figure with a QR code that is attached to a custom nft that you get with purchase that is a little animated clip of that same character like saying hi to you or something that's a deeply unique thing it's a deeply unique creative project creative project and creative product i could produce into the world am i in any way Obligated to do that, no, is it useful to anyone except for me? Is it interesting to anyone except for me? Who knows? Probably no fucking clue, but most people would not find that of value. So, most people would not pay for that. That is not a thing that is valued by the wider world. What is valued by the wider world is if somebody is if somebody at some engineering firm could send me a perfect file and I could print out 20 of them and deliver them to them on you know the ne- like within a week that's the that's the way that society has said is easiest is easiest to monetize 3D printing what is because bottom line is, it doesn't have much of a use for my ability to illustrate or my ability to mint an NFT. Those two skills are then left on the table as useless in that scenario. What is happening to Chisato is similar but different in that her skill to keep herself alive and also kick the shit out of anything that comes at her is... ...all packaged up in this perfect killing machine. But they don't get the mo... ...that value could be extracted... ...by just leaving one piece on the table. And that's what Shisato wants to do... ...is she she doesn't want to end people's lives. But everything else... ...she's game with. She would teach other people how to do that. She would... ...keep people... uh, ...meaningfully alive... For decades longer than they would be otherwise. She could be an incredible bodyguard. An incredible... You know, effective law enforcement officer. Who could go into... And is an effective law enforcement officer. Who goes into... Who... Like... Oh, send her in all these guys. We don't need a whole team. Just send... Send Chisato. Just send her in. Wait, she doesn't need like a whole team... No, like she's got a partner talking, and we'll, we'll like back her up. But like for the most part, she thought it would be fine. Like it'll be fine. Are there fifty guys? Yeah, but none of them will be able to touch her. It'll be fucking okay. And also, everybody will live, so we'll be able to charge a bunch of people for a whole bunch of crime, put them in jail, and ask questions about why and when, about why and what they were doing. Um, and this the the show. Is it's a really interesting meditation on that question of if you are seen as having incredible talent, what responsibility do you have to the world to use that talent? Whereas a show like, once again, Remake Our Lives. Is asking it from the other direction, in that what responsibility does the world have to you, if you are if you don't just have talent, which the main characters that show clearly does, but if you're putting the work in and you are not and you are not being met, and the world is not effectively using that talent, and I. Anime, at its core, is program uh, like programming cartoons made for entertainment, uh, being shown largely to people who are not of working age. Although increasingly more and more people are of working age, but they are often shows about teenagers, children. High schoolers, middle schoolers, college students—sometimes made by adults—and in both, in both, in both, actually, in all three, because of the third one here that I think is really interesting. In she in in the in the character of Chisato in. Licorice Recoil in the character of the main character in, um, in Remake Our Lives. I forget the name. And this is, I think, also very interesting in the character of Himiko Toga in, um, My Hero Academia. You have questions about not just about talent, but about society's response to talent and to skills and to ability that is... that are all really interesting examples. The last thing I'll say about Himiko Toga, and I did a whole episode where I really focused in on this, and that is that Himiko Toga has... is not one of the 20% of people born without a quirk in My Hero Academia. But she is... One a person who was born with a quirk, the society has decided it's terrifying. <laughs> the society is like, oh, you're shape shifting vampire. That's fucked up. So they ostracized her because she sought to use that talent, and this is true of Shigaraki in that show too. Like, but Shigaraki's talent, like Sh- Shigaraki's quirk. It, he can't turn it off, so, like, once it once it started going, it, nev- it almost never stopped. And society wasn't ready for that. Society was not ready for a kid who disintegrates everything he touches. How the fuck are we going to deal with this? They decided to shun him. They decided to shun the girl whose ability is, if I drink somebody's blood, I turn into them. Now, they, in Shigaraki's case, he couldn't exactly turn to 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 just not do it, Just not do it. But in Himiko's case, she could have turned, she could have chosen to not do this, to just not, to just know full well that she existed in the world and was like most of, was like eighty percent of other people and had a quirk, but her quirk was not socially acceptable. And she could have, and whenever whenever anybody asked her what her quirk was, she could be like, she could take them aside and she could say like, I don't use my quirk because it's not exactly copacetic, it's not exactly normal, and people would be like, what the fuck? And then she could explain it to people and people could be like, the fuck? Okay, I get why you wouldn't use that. But that also is her saying like, this is who this is who I am. This is what this is how it was born, and people and exposing it to people, and the by large the majority of people will be like that's disgusting, which is tantamount to saying you're disgusting, and that doesn't feel real great. And this, I think, there's a lot of people dealing in in the create in the. On the creative end of the anime and manga scene in Japan, I think there's a lot of people dealing with the concept of individuality in a collectivist society in Japan. And I I think that's... You, you see that more and more. You see that in... You see... Parts, you see that in the characteristics of Denji. Denji from Chainsaw Man right now. Denji is an absolute outcast. He is a sole person in a very... In in Japan, a very collectivist society. And he's taken advantage of in that society. By, by that society. By individual people in that society. And... I think that, don't get me wrong, I don't think America is the greatest country on earth necessarily, especially right now. I don't think we have the greatest way of life. I think there's a lot of problems that are just, oh fuck, this, all of these people selfish as fuck because that's the culture of America. The individual is king, it's the culture of America. We have very little that we do really well collectively. Even the stuff that, like, we are raw, rah the best at is fraught with competition and not done cooperatively and is not, like, done in a way that is... that is what's good for, what's good for the gander, good for the goose. It's good for... It's, Structured in a different way. That's what the employment system is all about. We we in America, you are not, you do not seek employment necessarily to be a cog in a to be a cog to be a cog in a wheel, to be a to be a cog in a machine. You seek employment to be the best paid cog in a machine to be to to make month to make more money so you can improve your own life. yes, there are tons of people who are altruistic and like go into other things, go into like become healthcare workers or become social workers because they want to help the world. But also those industries are more and more having to do things like offer better benefits for those people because eventually if you're helping the world, you grind yourself into dust while doing it at the end of the day. You're burned out, you're done, you're dead. And I think that... And this is also true in Blue Lock, The um, soccer... The soccer anime... That is all about unmaking... Rah-rah... T- rah-rah power of friendship bullshit in... Um, soccer. <laughs> in soccer... In young soccer players. I think that... At least on the creative level... There's something going on there where they where people are starting to take a real look at the like collective, at like the collective good aspect of Japanese culture, and it makes sense that this is coming out of anime and manga because that collect that collectivist streak has so fucked over. The creatives in those fields. There's no way they can't be like, if I was a rock star, I would, if I was allowed to be a rock star in the way that like Jack Kirby was allowed to be a rock star. If I was allowed to be a rock star in the way that Bill Plimpton was allowed to be a rock star. I'd make more money. My life would be better. My work schedule would be, would be smoother. It wouldn't be as bad. And now that's not all necessarily true. But it could be, and it 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 should be, and like animators should make over should make significantly more than minimum wage. They should make they shouldn't be making under minimum wage. You know, manga authors should be able to go on vacations and should be able to not end up like um what's his face who um writes Hunter X Hunter. They shouldn't have like crippling pain and shoot through their arm when they try and hold hold it. A pen to ink something. But the system that's allowed that to happen is well, I'm doing this for all the people who read my manga. I'm doing this for, I'm doing this because it's my societal role. And in Liquor's Recoil, you have an exploration of just because I'm good at this doesn't mean I need to do it. And that's that's another thing that's true in um. In that in the show Psychopath, which I don't think I've covered actually on this show, which I probably should because it's an interesting end of this, oops, three parter. Um, in Psychopath, you find out that through the main character that people are assigned jobs, like they don't even really get a chance, like a a they don't get a. Based on what they're best suited to. And most people... And like you can try and succeed in a different industry. But you really shouldn't. The big hive mind that runs society in that show. Basically said, oh, you'd make a good negotiator. You'd make a good detective. You'd make a good donut guy. And it removes free will from the equation. And the first villain in that show is a villain who is all about like what happened to this country's free world, what what happened to these people's free will? They should feel free to have subversive thoughts that may make them a target for elimination and but not fear being eliminated. And because we're so far down this path of this is how we this is how we as a collectivist society have decided society should work. It's gonna be real fucking messy, reeling that back the fucking. Um, but on that note, um, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Um, last Sunday's edition was about the last gasp of a dying breed of media of old white guy media executives. So definitely go check that out. Um, also go check out um, the remake our life episode because I think it pairs well with this one. Um, and if you like the podcast, you should definitely go rate it five stars in whatever podcast app you're using. Um, don't forget to check the, the description of this podcast of this episode for um, the in, for the Instagram handle. Once again, that handle is lunchbox radio underscore podcast on instagram um my twitter handle at alex hulk cohan and my um mastodon handle which i'm not even going to pronounce because you will type it in somewhere and it will think it's an email address and it will be very bad but until next time i've been alex this has been lunchbox radio I will talk to you on Thursday.